Today's first reading is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verses 22 through 36. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the fountain, foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. The word of the Lord. Let's pray as we stand. Almighty Father, as we uh, come to your word, we come, uh, all of us from different uh, places, different, uh, different emotional states, different intellectual uh, positions. Uh, we have different questions. Uh, some of us are very, very confident in who you are and who we understand you to be. Some of us uh, are not even sure you're there. Um, will you, uh, by your Holy Spirit, uh, work in us? Will, will you clarify our thinking and our and our and our believing in such a way that we can come to, to trust the Lord Jesus more clearly, more fully. Uh, and today as we talk about wisdom, we ask that you will impart wisdom to us. Uh, it is, after all, a gift. And so we ask you to give it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, and it's useful, it's helpful, if you would turn back to page 8 in your service sheets. We're continuing our series in the book of Proverbs. And um, uh, Proverbs is designed to help us uh, recognize and understand and gain wisdom. Uh, each week we've been saying we want to grow up before we grow old. And uh, Proverbs helps us do that. And one of the things that Proverbs does is Proverbs wants to increase our ambition to become wise. Uh, Proverbs wants to kind of dangle out wisdom in front of us and say, don't you want it? And you want it more than you think you do. And let me ex explain why you want wisdom uh, so badly. And now here's what we learned today. Here's the whole point right here. Wisdom is a life of joy. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute and, and consider how, how to... How does that strike you? When I say wisdom is a, is a life of joy, um, is that the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about wisdom? Uh, if, if we were to play a um, word association game, 
right? And the first thing that comes to your mind when I say wisdom, uh, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And is it, how likely is it that the first thing that jumps into your mind is, you know, massive endorphin release? You know, just ecstatic pleasure. Um, you know, delight, joy, whatever. My guess is um, that that's unlikely. Um, however, our passage today wants to take uh, this kind of widely held uh, expectation that wisdom, when we think about wisdom, we think of, about something that's a little bit dour, a little bit sober maybe, and a little bit um, kind of emotionally stunted. Um, Proverbs wants to take that idea of wisdom and just kind of crush it and instead hold out to us a vision for the, for the life of wisdom that is just beating with joy. And the way uh, Proverbs does that this morning is it gives us this poem. And in this poem, wisdom is personified. It's a metaphor of, a, of wisdom is presented as a, as a woman. And a woman who is absolutely ecstatically joyful, delighted at who God is and what God has done. And so what I want to do is look at this uh, poem and ask you to imaginatively enter into this poem and, and enter into uh, 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 watching wisdom as she delights before God. And what we're going to see is that wisdom is a life of joy before time Number one, number two, in history, and number three, wisdom is the life of joy that needs to mark your life and my life. Before time, in history, and in our lives. Let me show you what I mean. First of all, wisdom is delight, even before time. Look, look at the poem there on page eight. Um, the poem starts by taking us back in time. In fact, it reaches back further than our imagination can even stretch. It, it reaches back further than uh, language can even describe because it reaches back before creation and before time existed. Verse 22, wisdom is speaking here, and here's what she says. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Now, like I said, imaginatively enter the poem and, and work with these words for just a moment. First of all, the Lord possessed. That word possessed, pick that up. Um, that word can also just as well be translated fathered or beget. And part of the idea here in this image is that it's not that the Lord created wisdom just like the Lord created everything around us. That's not what it's talking about here. There's a closer relationship in this poem between God and wisdom than is usually imagined between God and, and, and the created order. It's more like a family. The image is the Lord is a father and wisdom is his child. But then look at the second half of the line. The Lord possessed me or fathered me at the beginning of his work or, look at it there, the word work can just as well and better be translated way. The Lord fathered me at the beginning of his way. And this is another kind of change of image. So the idea is that there was um, virtually no time gap between when the Lord existed 
and when wisdom existed. So the idea is right at the beginning of whatever we can imagine the beginning of the Lord is, there was wisdom. In the beginning was the Lord, and wisdom was with him, says the poem. And verse 30, if you just glance down to verse 30, this relationship, this family relationship between the Lord and wisdom is just shot through with joy. All the rejoicing words and delighting words. Now, why, I ask you, why, or maybe I imagine you ask me, um, why does this poem start before time, and why does this uh, poem imagine a relationship shot through with joy before time? A bunch of reasons, but here's, here's one. It's giving us, trying to paint a picture for us, of the foundation of the universe. What in the world are you talking about? Well, let me try to explain. Um, if, imagine you want to uh, try to figure out the United States of America. You want to try to figure out, imagine you're not from here, and, and you want to figure out what is it that makes Americans tick? What is it that makes this nation tick? Because let's face it, it's a confusing one. And one of the things that you can do, it's not the only thing, but one of the things that you can do is you can go back to the foundation of our nation. You go back and you read the Declaration of Independence, or maybe the Constitution, or maybe you um, uh, 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 study the story of how the nation came into being. Because that story and those documents uh, sort of tell us something about who we are. Um, it, it, it describes a DNA that even when our nation has gotten way off track and way far away from that vision, those documents and that story has been a kind of correction. It's like it stands over and against our nation saying, this is the standards to which uh, this, the nation needs to live up. And therefore, these documents foundationally tell us who we are. Well, this poem says, have you ever wondered what the meaning of the universe is? Do you want to know what, the, what, what your life means, what the foundation of this created order is? Well, if you want to understand that, you need to go back to the beginning. In fact, you need to go back before the beginning. And if you go back before the beginning of everything, what you'll find, if you ever wondered what you would find, here's what you would find. Before the Big Bang, you would find a relationship. Not just a relationship, a relationship shot through with joy. A relationship, says the poem, between God and wisdom. Now, that may sound a little odd, but let's keep on going. Wisdom is a delight before time, but then secondly, the poem goes on and shows us that the same is true in history. Look at verse 27. So in verse 27, the poem moves from before time to the beginning of history, the beginning of the universe. Verse 27, wisdom says, when the Lord established the heavens, I was there. Now, pause, picture the scene. Wisdom, from all eternity previous, enjoying a relationship with the Lord. And then somehow, and we don't know how, somehow that relationship that is marked by joy turned into a collaboration, says the poem. And in verse 30, wisdom is portrayed, she says, I was a master workman. Um, wisdom and the Lord are somehow collaborating together in the creation of uh, the universe. But, and this is key, look at wisdom's role. 
in this collaboration. Do you, see, do you know this? Wisdom's role in this collaboration is mainly watching. What do you mean? Mainly, wisdom is watching the Lord do his work. The Lord creates, and wisdom sits back almost like a spectator and enjoys what it is that she sees coming forth. Look at verse 30. When I was beside him like a master workman, I was daily his delight, or I was daily delighting, and I was rejoicing before him always. It's very important. Wisdom's job and her vocation is to watch the Lord work and enjoy what the Lord does. Okay, Jim, lovely poem. Who cares? What does this have to do with anything? Well, it has to do with the heart of wisdom. Let me explain. Look at verse 32. In verse 32, wisdom stops describing the creation of the world, and she turns and she, she, she talks to you and me, to the audience, and here's what she says. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. In other words, blessed are those who listen to what it is that I have been doing from all eternity and emulate me. You're blessed when you take upon yourself the same activities, the same vocation that I have. It's as if wisdom is saying this. From all eternity past, I've enjoyed the Lord. And we collaborated together in the creation of the universe. And I've enjoyed the Lord's work all along. I've seen all of it. But now, listen to me. I want you to join with me in enjoying the Lord's work. Join with me in watching the Lord work and saying, yes, that, says wisdom, is the life of wisdom. Is that the way you think of the life of wisdom? The heart of it is looking at what the Lord does and recognizing it to be good and beautiful and true. Let's look at it a little bit more closely. Let's watch wisdom, how, what she does, and we'll learn how we are to walk in wisdom. She's, wisdom is delighted by three things in this poem. She's delighted by beauty, and boundaries, and especially life. Look at it. Verse 27, she's delighted by beauty. Wisdom is witnessing God create, and she says this, When the Lord established the heaven, heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle over the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, and he established the foundations of the deep, she says, I was there enjoying it all. Um, I have a friend who I grew up with. Met him in junior high. Very awkward. He has now become a mildly famous musician. I'm not going to tell you his name. And the funny, here's the funny thing. When I hear his music, like, which is regularly, I find myself listening to his music a little bit differently than I listen to other kinds of music. Yeah, I mean, it's good music. It's like really, you know, it's good music. But the fact that I have a relationship, I've got a long history with this guy. It's in my wedding, I was in his, la-di-da. The fact that I have a deep friendship with this artist makes me view his art differently. I enjoy it for its own sake, but 
the relationship and the enjoyment of his art sort of synergized together. They worked together so that I enjoy his music in a different way that I enjoy other music. Does that make sense? Can you experience, you, 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 the same thing happens when you look at your friend's art, doesn't it? Well, that's what wisdom is, that's what wisdom is doing here. She's looking at the beauty of this natural world, but she's not just enjoying the beauty. She is fully enjoying all that there is to enjoy in the beauty of this natural world. But all of a sudden, the beauty of this natural world becomes a lens or a, a way of looking through it so that she sees the beauty of the one she has loved throughout all eternity. The relationship and the beauty work together and ignite a deeper delight. That's the life of wisdom. One of the marks that we are growing in wisdom is when we see beauty around us. If you're a Christian, this is how you view beauty. You view beauty around us, and you would delight in it for its own sake, but then there's something that allows you to look through it and see the face of God and rejoice. She delights in beauty. Secondly, she also delights in boundaries. Look at verse uh, 29. She says, when I watched him assign the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command. And the implication is, I loved it. Uh, this, this is a little bit, I think a little bit like what a scientist does. A wise scientist, am I wrong? Um, looks at the world as it is. Um, not as he or she uh, thinks it should be, but tries to observe it as it is. And in the course of time, uh, recognizes things like, like gravity. Gravity happens, we don't really understand gravity, I, as they tell me, but, but it, it, it happens and it does, creates boundaries that enable life to flourish. So it, for instance, keeps the sea with all its power, keeps its sea in a particular location and makes it stop at a particular place, usually, and we call that a beach. And there's a way in which a scientist can observe all of that and say, that's part of why life can flourish on this world, and, and recognize a beauty there. And that's what wisdom is saying there. She's looking at the boundaries that the Lord has commanded, and she looks back, she stands back, and she says, that is brilliant, that is brilliant. She's delighted by beauty, she's delighted by boundaries, and then thirdly, and this particularly in this poem, she's delighted by life. Verse 31, she says, wisdom says, I was rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And this is the apex of the poem. It's all been uh, rushing towards her delight in God creating life, and in particular, humanity. There's something a little strange about that. How do you find that, that, that she delights particularly in humanity? Now, I can imagine some people coming back and saying, well, of course she does, because let's face it, we're pretty cool, you know? Big brains, opposable thumbs, we can do all kinds of cool things, you know? Um, however, I could imagine some of us also coming back and saying, wait, that's ridiculous, that's hopelessly anthrop anthropocentric, right? Uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's naive, because humans kill. And if we were, to, we're not gonna do this, but if we, if we were to search around in your soul right now and try to identify the pain that you're trying to hide, 
and ignore, it would have something to do with humans killing something, doesn't it? Why, I ask the question, why does wisdom delight in the children of man, humanity? And I think the answer to that question is answered by the relationship that is before time. Because in this poem and throughout the scriptures, human dignity is not rooted in the fact that we've got big brains and can make great technology and opposable thumbs and tools. Human dignity comes from the relationship we were designed to enjoy before the foundation of the world. Wisdom looks at humanity and delights in humanity because we are uniquely designed to enjoy the relationship with the Lord that wisdom has enjoyed throughout all eternity. It's like wisdom looks at us and says, you are designed to be something like me. You are designed to join in with this relationship that was the very foundation of the universe. And again, I ask, how does that sound to you? Because again, I think we could come back. I could imagine somebody coming back. In fact, I find myself coming back and saying, this is ridiculous. Because even if that is the case, even if we are designed for that, we are a long way from that. We do not emulate wisdom and her delight very well, do we? Do we tend to delight in life? Or do we tend to destroy life? Of course the answer is something of both. And yet it feels like, does it not, that sometimes it seems that humanity can't help but cause death around us. And very often, instead of rejoicing in boundaries, we, we, we initially, immediately see them as obstacles to transgress. And instead of uh, re recognizing the beauty around us as, a, as an echo of the beauty of God, we, we enjoy the beauty around us and the relationships in our lives as if God was not involved at all. And so in that respect, very often our intuition is to be the opposite of wisdom. And in this poem, it warns us about this. It says that if we live our lives in the inverse of wisdom, it'll end up getting us. It'll kill us in the end. Verse 36. He who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. But on the other hand, it also says, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Which means this passage looks at us and says, you need wisdom. You need wisdom and you can't, you can't assume that you have it already. And this is why for us, Jesus becomes so precious to us. Did you notice the gospel reading today? In the gospel reading, it's subtle, but in the gospel reading, Jesus is just like wisdom. In the gospel reading, Jesus rejoices in his father and in his father's work. And from the larger context of the New Testament, we know that that rejoicing in the father and the father's work reaches back through time long before the story of his birth in Bethlehem, and it reaches back before time existed. Jesus and the father engaged in continuous and mutual delight. 
And we find out in other parts of the Bible that not only does that delighted relationship reach back before time, but somehow in a mysterious way we don't understand Jesus was engaged and involved in an instrument of all of creation. The point is that Jesus is the reality behind the metaphor in Proverbs' poem. And then when you look at Jesus, you find that Jesus is even greater than wisdom. Because wisdom in this passage says, you need to come and find me at the end of the poem. And your life depends on it. But Jesus is wisdom who comes and seeks after us, who comes to find us. And when he comes to find us, he gives his life on our behalf. And that's why in our gospel reading he can say, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, Jesus, you look at the face of Jesus, and you are looking into the eyes of true and final and perfect wisdom. And he looks at you and he says, I have given my life so that I can give you life. Come to me, delight in me, and you will be wise. All right, let me end with just three, three ways to respond. Uh, wisdom in our passage rejoices in beauty, boundaries, and life. As we come to Christ, we will become wise as we rejoice in those same three ways, only in reverse order. We have to rejoice in the life that Jesus gives us, the boundaries that Jesus gives us, and the beauty that Jesus purchases. First of all, rejoice in the life that Jesus gives us. And here's what I mean. We start, we need to start the life of wisdom. The foundation of it has to start by rejoicing in the life that Jesus purchased for us. And you know, in the psalm, the uh, wisdom rejoices not in her work. She rejoices in the Lord's work. And that is the beginning of the Christian life. When we rejoice in the work that Jesus accomplished on our behalf. We look away from ourselves. Very often, one of the easiest pitfalls in pursuing wisdom is that we, we think that wisdom is primarily something that we perform. We think that wisdom is primarily something that I need to do. And therefore, the focus of attention becomes on me, on my performance and my failure and my success and my relative skill. You mustn't do that. Wisdom was not delighted with herself. Wisdom was delighted with the Lord's work of creation. The Christian becomes wise as we are delighted not with ourselves, our successes, or our failures, or impressed with ourselves at all, but rather we are impressed and delighted with Jesus' work on our behalf in redemption. That's where it begins. Is that where your delight is? Or are you looking at yourself? First, rejoice in the life that Jesus gives. Secondly, rejoice in the boundaries that Jesus gives you. Remember, um, wisdom uh, admires the way the Lord sets natural boundaries so the sea stays where it belongs. But the same thing for a Christian is true of the ethical and the moral life. When you see all that Jesus gives for you, when you see his work on your behalf, the more clear that is and the more you rejoice in that, the more you'll trust Jesus that the boundaries he sets for our lives 
are not restrictive things, they're liberating things. Our intuition is to look at a boundary and say, that's an obstacle. The more you trust Jesus and delight in the life that he gives you, the more you'll look at a boundary that he sets and you'll say, this is an instrument for my flourishing. Thank you. It's a mark of wisdom. We delight in the life Jesus gives us and the boundaries he gives us. And then thirdly and lastly, we rejoice in the beauty of this world. And part of that is that when you know Christ, then you'll know wisdom and you'll look around the world that we are in and you will see this place just is riveting with beauty. But you will look at the beauty not just for its own sake. You will enjoy it as well as anyone else will, but you will enjoy it even more because you'll be able to look through it and it will provoke within you a gratitude to Jesus Christ. You'll, see, I, you'll be able to say, I know the one who made that. And also, you'll look at the brokenness of this world and the ugliness of this world. Because the more you see of Jesus, the more you see of beauty, the more ugly ugliness will become. And when you see ugliness and brokenness, it'll break your heart yet more deeply. And, but those are the moments where you look away from the brokenness and you look at Jesus Christ, taking upon himself the brokenness of the world, the brokenness of your own soul, the brokenness of all the other ones that are around you, all the killing of the humanity is perpetrated, and all the brokenness, you will see it all taken upon him on the cross. And you will look at Jesus Christ, and you will see on the cross how Jesus, just as God, took chaos and made beauty in creation. So you'll see Jesus take brokenness, and at the cross, release freedom, redemption, beauty, and glory. And friends, if you belong to Jesus Christ, the joy you experience looking at the redemption of the world will be the first taste of the joy that will animate your eternity. Your eternity will be delighted with joy, and you will never reach the end of the joy that wisdom wants to impart. That is the life of wisdom. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com slash give.